welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Schaffer, along with Artemis Brower. We're coming to you this week with episode 112. Artemis. Artemis. Yo, yo. 112. Holy crap. It it doesn't seem possible. But it is. But it is, Jay. It doesn't seem possible. We are a mere 11 days at, at the time of recording this podcast from ECU football taking the field inside a Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. I'm pumped. T minus 11, baby. And uh, 11 days from, I think, something historic that's going to go on in ECU football this season. I, I, I just, everything that I'm reading, everything that I'm seeing, the practices, mini camp, everything that's been going on. I, I, I just, I, I got a feeling. I, I definitely got a feeling. Usually, you're the one that says you got a feeling, but I, I'm gonna join you on this. I, I really do got a feeling that this, I, this season is gonna be something special. I do, I do have a feeling that yes, this season will be something special. I, I think, I mean, it's Hole Nailers last year, his senior year, the final ride. I mean, I, I think that this year is gonna be special for a lot of reasons and um i yeah i'm i'm excited but uh we'll we'll talk a little bit more about getting ready and getting into the season here in a minute but um before we talk it jump into the football talk and the ecu talk already number 12 do you have a number 12 i feel like there's only one number 12 you can go with and no no <laughs> i feel like there's only one number 12 you can go with man aaron rogers come on now Aaron there's Rodgers. Only, there's only one twelve in the history of any sport. John that, Stockton. That is the twelve, and that Terry is Bradshaw. That is one Thomas. I don't know the, his middle name. Brady. All right, it's TV twelve. Ryan Newman. AJ Brzezinski. N- n- you're, you're naming nobodies compared to Tom Brady. AJ you Brzezinski. literally just named a bunch of nobodies compared. Wade to Tom Brady. Boggs. Nobody. Andrew compared, Luck. Nobody. Andrew Luck. Come on now. Yeah, compared to Tom Brady, Andrew Luck compared to Tom Brady. Tom Brady, zero rings to seven rings. Joe Namath. Did Andrew Luck even win a playoff game? I don't know. Don't really care. All right, Artie, you've talked enough. Um... <laughs> Come on, man. Aaron Rodgers. Someone needs an APB off of Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't been to a Super Bowl in what 12, 13 years. Come Just on, like that's... Tom Brady hasn't been to practice in like two weeks. Why does Tom Brady need to go to practice? He's Tom Brady. If Tom Brady wants to show up at halftime for a regular season game, he has every right to. He's got nothing left to prove. Come All on. All right. Now. All right. Are you done? <laughs> you done talking about him? I'm done. All right. Artie, I ha- I'm going to talk about the real GOAT. The official GOAT. The greatest to ever do it. You're talking about. Tom Brady. No. I'm talking Michael Jordan. Michael number Jordan. 12? Yes. Artie, fun when fact. When did Michael Jordan wear number 12? Michael Jordan wore number 12 for one game in 1990. <laughs> On Valentine's night at Orlando, he wore number 12 after his jersey had been stolen prior to the game. He ended up putting up 49 points on the Magic in 47 minutes in a loss 
135 to 129. Jared, I, I, still, I still win by default. No, I, I still said the win. GOAT. Jordan has six, Brady has seven. I still win. I, said I still the win. Yeah, but, I mean, how many of those did Brady cheat to get? Well, you know. At least one. Jordan was in Vegas the night before playoff games. So, I mean. Hey, so? Who's, who's counting? Like, who cares? They're still the it, greatest it, of all time it, in their it, sport. Is it? Is it? Is it against the rules to gamble? I'm just to have saying, a good look, time in Vegas? You know, my, my personal favorite is Jordan. But they're still the greatest of all time in their sport. Brady got seven of them things, man. Seven. Seven. With two different franchises. Matt Ryan's better. <laughs> I don't know. Marcus Mariota looked pretty good last night. You know, I think Mariota's going to win y'all eight to nine games this year. I really do. I, I think I, I really think Marcus Mariota is good enough to win you guys eight to nine games. I think, look, the Bucks have so many injuries. The Saints, like, depending on how well Jameis comes back from his injury last year. Saints are going to be good. The Saints are going to be good. It's it's the Bucks to lose. It's, it's yeah. Like, they're, they're the clear number one. But – don't be surprised if my Falcons make some noise in that in that division. I'll I'll even go so far as to say this. I think the NFC South might be the most underrated division of football. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Because the Panthers, sure. the Panthers can honestly be pretty good. It, it, is really to. it is definitely the most intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the Falcons have completely turned over their roster. I mean, there's 14 players still on the roster from before Arthur Smith. Mm-hmm. So, th- there's a lot of turnover there. I mean, I like I like the direction we're going in as as a franchise. Um, but yeah, Artie, we're not here to talk pro football. We're here to talk college football. Yes, sir. EC finished up fall camp on Saturday with with a scrimmage inside of Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I wasn't there. I, I was uh, hanging out in Key West, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe Artie was moving his brother into college. Yep. So, I mean, guys, we have we have lives outside of the podcast. I I honestly I hated that I wasn't there. Media day and the scrimmage is one of my favorite things to do. Same. Um, and, and I've uh, missed it two years in a row now. So I'm, yeah, that's yeah. definitely something that I would have loved I, to have been. I hated that I couldn't be there, but I'm excited to cover the team this year because um, I think it is going to be something special. All right, just some quick notes. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go through some notes, some scrimmage notes, and then we can talk about it a little bit more. Uh, QB Alex Flynn, third stringer, fourth stringer, whatever you want to look the way you look at him. Um, he led all quarterbacks in the scrimmage, completing all seven of his passes for a total of 35 yards and two touchdowns. So, not not too bad for for the kid. Um, he honestly, he may have. He, he may have the most accurate arm out of any of our quarterbacks that we have. Whole nailers included. Um, I, I really like Alex Flynn. I, I don't really see it in the cards for him here at ECU um, mm-hmm. just because he's behind Mason Garcia. Mm-hmm. Um, it may, it's going to be Mason's job for the next two to three years after, after Holton leaves. So, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how that works. Um, friend of the podcast, Isaiah Winstead finished as the top receiver, hailing in five catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. 
not a bad day. Not a bad day for the newcomer. Um, the offense racked up 450 yards on and 16 first downs with running back Joseph McKay rushing for 95 yards and Camaro Edmonds having six rushes for 40 yards. Um, but it wasn't all offense. Mm-hmm. Th- those stats all make it sound like our defense just did not show up. Um, but the, the defense did a pretty good, pretty good job. They forced three fumbles, had one interception. Uh, the, they had seven, they had several stops, um, including a safety by Taylor Jackson and an, the interception by Malik Fleming, uh, seven tackles for loss, four sacks. And like I said, three forced fumbles. Um, so not a bad day on defense either. And then the kicker, Owen Daffer connected on a pair of 37 yarders and the punters, Luke Larson and David Chapeau, friend of the podcast, averaged 38.6 yards per punt. Not a bad day at the office for anybody that was that was uh, wearing the purple and gold on, on, on Saturday. Crisp and clean. Absolutely. I, I like I like the fact that a lot of the guys that might not get a lot of action, you know, somebody somebody like a Flynn. Um, is still going out there and doing what he's got to do, trying to perform, trying to, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, still perform at his best because I, I do believe that he is someone who could probably enter the transfer portal or probably will enter the transfer portal. Um, I definitely don't see it happening for the kid here in Greenville. Um, but to see a guy like Isaiah Winstead, who I think could be a big factor uh, for our offense if he really wants to be the transfer from Toledo, um, you know, he could, he could be phenomenal. Um, the running back room is deep and heavy we know who our top two guys are but anytime you get a chance to to, to get that rock and, and put up some good numbers in practice um and let the coaches know hey I, I i know i might be down here on the depth chart but don't forget about me um so that's that's always good to see him in the defense you know force the turnovers Malik Fleming got an interception um all good things that you want to see at the end of fall camp just crisp clean sound football that's what that's just what you want to see and that's what we got yeah for sure i mean that, that was one of the things that that Coach Houston talked about in his post-game press conference. So we're going to play that press conference in just a second. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was. It was a clean day. It, it was all all in all a, a very good day for all, all athletes on, on the ECU football team. Um, it seems like they are, like you said, they're clean. They mm-hmm. are – doing what they need to do to prepare to, to take on NC state, a, a formidable opponent yes, in, in week one. Um, but it, it's something that I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy to see. Like a couple of years ago, I, I can remember when we had Scotty and like, it just seemed like nothing was ever clean. Nothing was ever done right. Um, you can see that the, the mentality has changed. And like you said, already the, the, Depth in that running back room is, is insane. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is that the fact that you could have guys, you have four guys that on any team could probably put up at least 700 yards, whether they're a first string or a second string in a season. I mean, we, we've got a transfer from Carolina that is third or fourth on the depth chart. Usually when you, when, you know, when, when, if EC were to get a transfer from Carolina, they're competing for that starting spot right away. He's third at best. That speaks to how good our running back room is. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is really great to see that that's that's the direction we're going. 
Um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see this team. And let's not forget, number 12, gave him a shout-out earlier, I think, Hole Nailers, yes. signal caller. He's got some legs, too. Yeah, he and, can move. And he, I mean, he's what, 6'4"? I think he's listed at 6'4", 235 pounds. He's a big guy. He's not afraid to lower the shoulder and, and run somebody over. That's the thing about this ECU offense is they can attack you several different ways. Mm-hmm. They can attack you through the air. Holden's got a good enough arm. As long as he has time, which I think he'll have more time this year than he did last year. That's that's the thing we griped about all year long last year. Is Can, can somebody not give up a sack? Holden's can't take a sack. I mean, there was times last year people were calling for Holton to lose his job because mm-hmm. he was taking sacks. But we said, a years. we said on this very podcast, look, the offensive line isn't doing their job. They the this team, Coach Houston, Donnie Kirkpatrick, Steve Shankwaller, Coach Shank, have all done their job this year. And really built up that offensive line. You've got guys, you got Parker Moore, guy from West Virginia, played in the Big 12. You got um, Mims coming in over from, from Charleston Southern, right? Mm-hmm. These these are all good guys to, to have. And they're big, like we've talked about before. They're big. This is the most improved position group on the entire team. And that's the thing that we needed was this offensive line. And and look, I, I will say this, because we have been on this very podcast, and we have we have thrown some shade and a little bit of hate towards Donnie Kirkpatrick's way, and deservedly so. Deservedly he, so. I, I will say but, he has said he would come on the podcast. We just got to work out of time. Yeah, but he has done a tremendous job, I think, in the last couple of years of kind of turning that around, that narrative around, that he can't really be a good offensive coordinator. He can't really put the things together. I think this past offseason – He's done a lot. I think what he does and Coach Houston do this season with that offense really determines, I think, his legacy going forward at East Carolina. But he's 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 starting to turn it around. He, he's he's making a believer out of me because I was not a believer in Donnie Kirkpatrick before, but he's starting to make a believer out of me now. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. The, this team is bigger, stronger, faster. This team looks like they should compete in the Power Six. They do. I mean, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna play NC State, and they're gonna have guys that are damn near six nine, mm. probably three hundred sixty five pounds on the line. But you're you're gonna you're gonna be able to get in there and, and play them, and and be able to match them on size and athleticism. Yeah, because that that's what this team has done, and and Coach Houston talks about it in his press conference. He talks about how when he when he and his staff got here, I mean, we've seen it. This team did not look like a team that even should be competing in Conference USA. They were soft. I mean, lost it was a soft two FCS. Lost the two FCS programs. Yeah. I mean, the athleticism was at an all-time low. They soft. they, they weren't just... hitting in practice. Yeah. Like this this may that may have been the softest college football team I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Outside of would, NC State every year. I would absolutely agree. But, but before Houston got here, we definitely had a program 
Um, it just looked like a bunch of kids that were just out. They were they were just happy to be playing D one football. Yeah, that, that's it. They they were happy to be getting a free ride to college. Yeah, and oh, I posting on their Instagram stories and posting on on their social media accounts. Oh, I'm a D one athlete. Yada, yada yada yada. Coach Houston came in here, cleaned some house, and made it made it clear what it took to be a pirate. And that that was what we needed. That is exactly what we needed. So um, yeah, I, I really, I really hope that um, it translates, and all that we're talking about translates. And like I said, the schedule lines up for ECU to scare some teams later on this season and make a run, not only at a top three, but at a shot at the conference championship, just because you've got, two, like I've said on the last couple podcasts, you've got UCF and Houston coming into East Carolina later on this year, two teams that ECU should have beat that ECU should have beat last year. ECU is, and note the first thing that coach Houston should show every single player every day leading up to the NC state game and leading up to every game this season Look, they picked you guys sixth. Sixth in the conference. They picked you sixth. You finished third last year. Yep. And, they, and, and we they got better. To, we got better and they picked you to finish worse. And really, I mean, UCF didn't get much better. Houston only has a the, Houston just has a weak schedule. Right. Oh, no. Houston has a cakewalk schedule. They schedule no. like Alabama. They're still a good team. They're that, a good team. That, that's a damn but, good team. But, but yeah, if they, they go twelve and zero, it's because they have a weak schedule. Yeah. Non-conference wise, I mean, all they play is UTSA, which hey, that's a good that's a good team. But they should beat UTSA. But they should beat them, and they should beat them handedly. Cincinnati got uh, Cincinnati hit, probably had the biggest fall off from last year of any team in the conference. But don't get me wrong. They got studs coming in there to replace those guys, but I don't know if they right. can recapture the magic that they had last year. I mean that they're still easily the best recruiting team in the conference. Oh yeah, they they, they recruit like so, a power five team. Nobody should expect Cincinnati to fall off that much. Like since Cincinnati falling off is losing two games, so which they may very well do, and one of those yeah. games m- might very well be Week One against Arkansas. So that. Do not be surprised. I'm not guaranteeing it. Uh, I'm not going to make that guarantee. I'm not that stupid. I'm stupid, but I'm not that stupid to make the guarantee that EC is going to play for a conference championship this year. But do not be surprised, Pirate fans. Pirate Nation, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the 51,000 of you that will be in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in 11 days. I'm talking to you. Do not be surprised if ECU makes some noise in the American Athletic Conference and solidifies themselves as the top player moving forward in this conference. Do not be surprised. Well, and look, I'll say this about our week one matchup. I, I love the fact that we are playing a legitimate top 15 opponent. NC State, love them, hate them, doesn't really matter. They oh, are. It's only leg- hate them. It's only they, hate them. They they are they are a legitimate top fifteen opponent. They, they are coming into Dottie Ficklin a good. We're not playing some scrub NC State team this year. They are good. 
They are they can they can bully you on the line of scrimmage. They've got a really good quarterback. They've got really good positional players. They can make a lot of noise in the ACC, if not win the ACC. Outright. They're not winning the ACC this year. Um, they can they can they can. No, Clemson's winning the ACC. They're the only team year. that can beat Clemson. I don't think they beat Clemson. I don't think they beat Clemson. That's not me saying I think NC State beats Clemson. No, I think Clemson is far and away the best team in the conference. But if anybody were to beat Clemson, I think NC State has the only chance in the conference to do so, in my opinion, outside of maybe Miami, maybe those two. But that's it. But that week one test against a top 15 team is really going to let us know our pros and cons off the rip. Like how good of a football, if even in a loss, which I don't think we will lose to NC State. I'm saying we're going to shot the road to beat NC State because screw them. But even in a loss, it's how we perform in that week one game. You know, if NC State comes in and maybe it's a 31-28 type of ball game, I still walk away from that feeling pretty good because that's oh, yeah. a legitimate program that came into you, our You make a statement. And we made a statement against a team that is expected to maybe compete for an ACC conference championship. So I love got- the fact that right off the bat, we are getting legitimate competition to go forward, to, to be prepared for a Central Florida, for a Houston, for a Cincinnati. We're already going to be prepared. We're going to be there. We're going to be good. So, Look, don't get me wrong. I hate NC State more than the next guy. Y'all know it. I hate them. I hate them with a passion. Burns down deep in my gut. Artie, if we beat them, if they go undefeated the rest of the regular season, I don't give a shit. If we beat them, that's all I care about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Beat them. Yeah. I mean, now that, I mean, I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, I'll take that resume boost. But but it's just, you know, in, instead of figuring out where you are as a team by week four or five, you're going to know exactly where you stand after week one. Like and, ECU is going to know exactly how good they are, how much better they need to get after week one. And ECU had the chance to do that last year. They they stumbled against App State. I mean, they came out hot against App State, but then they they stumbled down the stretch, then lost a tight one to South Carolina. If you come out and you beat NC State week one, there's no stumbling out of the gate. You've already got a head start on the rest of the season. Exactly. That's the toughest game you're going to play all year long. That it's the toughest game you play all year long, and it's by far the toughest game in your first six. So if you win that, odds are you're going six and zero. Oh. You know, yeah. six and zero. Oh, what is, is UCF our seventh game of the, of the season? Is that, is that game seven? I, I, I believe. can't. I can't remember. I, I, I think it's I, so, it's somewhere around there. Yeah, but but in my mind, going into that Central Florida matchup, you beat State, you're probably undefeated. You, you probably got an undefeated ECU squad. So yeah, I mean, and UCF at home, you beat them. You could be going. You could be. I think it's the next week. I think is. Uh, I think that's BYU. The following week, you go into that. You could possibly be eight zero going into BYU, yeah. and looking like. I mean, if ECU is eight zero, ECU is in the top twenty five. Well, look, four four top twenty five teams on the schedule, man. Yeah, four top twenty five teams on the schedule. We don't we don't have a soft schedule. We we play some heavy hitters, so and. ECU is in a prime position to do it. I, I, look, I think that this is the year that everything comes together and we shock the world. I, I really do. I, I I have this feeling in my gut. Now, I could say that we, 
I could say that already, and we could come out and get smacked week one. <laughs> right, right, right. But we don't I, know this for certain. But but I'm I'm gonna say that something feels different going into this season. This team wanted to play in a bowl game last year. Should have played in a bowl game last year, but they, they couldn't. This team has that fire. They played with that fire down the stretch, winning a hard game at Navy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, winning that hard game at Navy, winning in overtime against Memphis, coming back and beating Marshall on the road, right? They This team has experienced it all. This team has experienced very tight games. Outside of the, the bookend games last year, the games against App State and the game against Cincinnati, a game in which they were in in the first half in both of those games, the, the Pirates didn't lose a game by more than, what, seven points? Yeah. By more than a score? Well, and and the the big difference between last season and this season is, you know, last season the Pirates can play close games and and win and win those games against teams that they're supposed to beat, and win those games against teams that are just as good as them or maybe even a little bit better. But to win the games, close games against teams that you are not supposed to beat, that's that's the major jump that I think we're going to see this season. It's when we're going to have close games against a team that was supposed to come in and smack us around. And we end up winning that ball game because we have that experience. We know how to win these close ball games. We have full confidence and faith in ourselves. You know, forget the outside noise. We know twelve on or eleven on eleven. We can we can we can beat these guys. So, I think that's going to be the difference you see this season. Yeah. Well, like I said, Coach Houston talked about a lot of this stuff in his in his media day press conference. Already, let's send it over to that. We hope you enjoy. Here's here's Coach Houston talking to the media. Well, I guess uh, you know today kind of marks the uh, the end of preseason camp. Uh, you know, I thought uh, really pleased with how this week went. Uh, very pleased uh, with uh, the live work we did this week. Uh, I was pleased with what um, you know our, our ones and twos did uh, this morning uh, in our last scrimmage. Uh, now, uh, you know, chance for them to kind of catch their breath, unplug uh, from football a little bit, get ready to start class on Monday, and then uh, we're going to start uh, game prep for NC State. And so, uh, you know, just, you know, looking back, uh, coming into preseason camp, um, it's just, it's been a really enjoyable preseason camp from the standpoint of um, having a mature team, an experienced team that uh, functions the way you want them to. Does the things that uh, you know, good football teams do in preparation. Um, it was a, a very solid camp, and uh, you know the best I've had since I've been here. So, questions? Uh, you said you want to see significant improvement this morning in the second scrimmage. I'm sure you got to go back to the film just from watching it live. You feel like you kind of saw that? Yeah, uh, I do, uh, and really. Felt it all week, um, you know, coming out of Wednesday's practice, which was a uh, uh, had some live work in Wednesday's practice. Uh, you know, coming out of that practice, I felt like that we had really made strides Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off of the scrimmage last weekend. And 
you know, uh, you know, our, our first group went uh, about 25 plays today, and I thought outside of uh, you know one play uh, from the first offense, I thought our first offense executed at a very high level. Um, I think our defense is flying around, uh, so I think that uh, we saw what we needed to from last week to this week. Well, I think you know, everybody recognizes his speed on game day. Uh, and it's pretty elite. Uh, but you know, the things that people don't see is you know, he has just such a great feel for the zone run game. Um, he's done a great job with his body uh, over the off season, uh, you know, putting on some muscle uh, and you know, allowing him to be a lot more sturdy this year than maybe he was last year. Um, he's a very driven uh, player also. So, uh, you know, I'm just excited to see, you know, what's next for him. Uh, I think Rajay has uh, made the same strides. So I think we had a, a fantastic, uh, you know, set of starters there last year with those two. And I anticipate them to be, um, you know, that same thing for us this year. Uh, only I think that they're both improved. Coach, camp is always a grind. You said it's been more enjoyable. Has it been less of a grind this year? Because everybody seems to know what they're doing. Well, the kids would say no. <laughs> I can promise you. Uh, and, and that's part of, you know, I felt that this week also. About Thursday and, and yesterday, you could tell that, uh, you know, it, it's been a grind. Um, and, but the enjoyable piece comes from, you know, it, it wasn't like you had to just, just demand them constantly on about their effort or, you know, you didn't have to just stay on them about the you know, physicality. You know, if you put the ball down in a, comp uh, a competition setting, they're going to go hard and they're going to strike each other. You know, they're going to play good football, and uh, that's that's enjoyable uh, because now you can you can coach the fundamentals, you can coach schemes, you can you know coach you know cohesiveness and get everybody on the same page, and you know you kind of pass the deal of you know having to push so hard to get effort uh, out of them because now you have you know a lot of older players that that's that's what they know, that's what they believe in, that's what they do. And so the younger kids, you know, it's either, you know, you you step up along with them or you stick out in a negative fashion. So uh, that's the enjoyable piece. Obviously a lot of uh, transfers coming in, um, camp a great time to kind of catch them up to speed about how ECU football plays. Uh, what have you seen from them and I guess how are, important are they to this upcoming season? Well, I think the kids that we brought in uh, have acclimated well. Um, you know, Isaiah uh, and Jalen, in particular, on the uh, in the receiving core, have really meshed well with uh, returning players. Um, I thought Justin Red uh, looked really good today on the offensive front. Um, you know, you look at defensively. I thought Chandre had a uh, good end of the week this week. Uh, did some good things today. So, you know, all those guys are older. They're experienced. Uh, pre Washington. Uh, you know, they're all guys that have played a lot, uh, Chance Bates, um, and I think they fit in really, really well with our returning players, uh, and they're going to see significant playing time on game day. Coach, can you talk a little bit about the uh, punt game? Well, I think Luke's had a solid preseason camp, uh, so he's going to be our starting punter going into uh, the season. Uh, we feel like we have solid guys uh, depth-wise on the unit um, across the board. You know, it's a little bit of a battle still for the backup punt job between David Chappeau um, 
and uh, I forgot his name all, all of a sudden. My little, my, little, my little guy from High Point, um, Conrad, Andrew Conrad. That's, that's awful. But, uh, you know, those two are battling it out for the backup punter's job. Uh, so, you know, haven't really solidified that yet. But, uh, you know, please with Luke. Coach, I wanted to ask about conditioning. I know Big John's done a great job in the, the weight room. Uh, from the time he started to now, can you talk about the, I mean, the growth in the weight room? Well, that's, that's, you know, that's probably been the you know, most significant growth in the program. I mean, you guys, a lot of you guys covered the program, you know, before. Uh, and, you know, when we got here, we, you know, we didn't look like an American Athletic Conference team. Uh, but, you know, you saw the kids on the field today. I mean, we looked like we belonged in the American Athletic Conference. You know, our, our fronts on both sides of the football were big, we're athletic, we're strong. Um, you know, you look at the, the stand-up guys, uh, both sides of the ball, uh, I mean, we looked apart. Uh, so, you know, Coach Williams, uh, I think he's the best there is. Uh, he's, uh, the kids think he's the best there is. Uh, and he's done a great job with his staff in developing our, our, our roster. Well, we were non-competitive in that game. Uh, it's embarrassing, honestly. Um, the program is, I mean, there's no comparison at all. Uh, now, that being said, uh, their program has made drastic improvement also. You know, I think they won three or four games that year. You know, coming in, this is the highest-ranked NC State team preseason in school history. So you have arguably one of the best teams uh, NC State has ever fielded coming to Daddy Ficklin September 3rd. So what you have, you know, here in the opener is, you know, two much improved, much improved programs, uh, two much improved teams. Uh, it's going to be a good ball game. Uh, you know, we're going to find out a lot about ourselves. Uh, but you know, it's it's night and day over what that game in 2019 was. Um, with with guys returning, just knowing that in and out of the playbook for so many years, how have the you know, newer players done their studying and kind of grasped the playbook? Well, that's, you know, that's, if you're talking about newer players as far as those older transfers that have come in, um, that's the big thing. You know, that's, that was the big focus this summer. That's the big focus during preseason camp. Like I said, though, all those guys are fourth and fifth year college football players. So it's not like, you know, they had not played in, you know, similar schemes, you know, where they were. Uh, so I, th I think they've, they've acclimated well. Um, you know, the ones that are struggling to acclimate, you know, as always, are the freshmen. Um, I do think we have a couple of freshmen that may see you know, a significant time this year, uh, and that's the biggest thing that's going to hold them up. Um, you know, just grasping the playbook, acclimating to the speed on game day, acclimating to the physicality, uh, because it's a lot different, you know, on the high school football field compared to what's what's going to be out there September third. Coach, going back to that NC State matchup, how do you motivate your kids? Knowing that you have a, such a tall test going up against one of the highest ranked teams in the country, especially when you're trying to build this program's confidence, you're trying to get them knowing that they are going to be one of the top teams in the American Conference once it seems like UCF right. uh, leading the conference. Well, I think motivation is not going to be an issue for that, that opener. Um, you know, it's the opening game. Uh, you don't need motivation for the opening game. Uh, it's an hour and 15 minutes between campuses. There's a lot of history between us and NC State. Uh, the guys that were on that field in 2019, and there's some that were on the field in 2018. 
Uh, they don't need any extra motivation. Uh, it'll be a very motivated roster that takes the field that day. Um, I think playing in the American Conference does give our kids confidence. Uh, you know, we went toe to toe with the top teams in the conference last year. Um, you know, probably should have had a couple of wins there that uh, we didn't get at the end of a couple of ball games. But our guys, uh, they're confident uh, playing anybody. To be honest with you. What was the uh, back and forth like between offense and defense during camp? And coming out of it, is there one side that's ahead of the other as you're rapidly scrimmaging? Well, like I said, when you, put the, when you put the ball down in a competitive setting, they go at each other. Uh, it was highly competitive. Um, we had a few scuffles, which you're going to have that during camp, uh, especially early on. Uh, you had to run them a little bit and just tell them, listen, you can either fight or you can run. You, you, you decide. Uh, but I, I like that intensity. I like that competitive spirit that they have in them. Um, you know, I thought early on uh, and, you know, last week's scrimmage, I thought the defense was a little bit ahead of the offense. But I think the offense had a very good week this week. You know, we saw uh, the potential uh, that we had thought we had uh, throughout the week this week and again this morning from our offensive players. I think I'm pleased across the board. Um, I wouldn't say surprised, but I'm happy with uh, how well our receivers have meshed uh, with our quarterbacks and with the rest of our offenses as, as we went through camp. Because that was, you know, you thought what you had on paper, but still getting on the same page and seeing them do it together, uh, that was a, you know, something that we hadn't seen yet, but I'm, I'm pleased standing here today. Seven games last year, seven points or fewer. Yep. I guess I'm just kind of curious if you learned anything about those experiences that you can kind of translate into coming into this year. Well, I think everybody did. I think uh, there's no substitute for experience. Uh, I think that's you know kind of probably what held us back a little bit early in the season is learning how to win those close games. Uh, you know, late in the season, winning those close games, you know, it was all the difference in, in our season. You know, winning on the road at Memphis. Uh, you know, winning uh, on the road at Navy. You know, those, those kind of games are the ones that are difference between, you know, a disappointing season and a, and a bowl bid. So uh, I think our whole roster learned a lot uh, last season, you know, from those victories. Once again, Artie, that was Coach Houston talking to the media during ECU's media day. Uh, I mean, he, he sounds fired up. He sounds like the team is uh, – ready to compete all year long. Um, I, it, it's something that I'm really excited about. Um, so yeah, Artie, it, it's, it's good for, it's good for all involved. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he said everything he was supposed to say. I, I think he's just ready to play football at this point. He's ready to coach. He's ready to see his, his guys go out there and play and, and, you know, put their money where they're mouth is. For sure. Well, Artie, uh, we are going to have uh, – I, I think we should title this podcast Feeling Special because we're talking about feeling special on about this team, right? Yeah. But not only that, we have two specialists on the podcast 
joining us. We got none other than long snapper, Alex Harper, and then the man with the leg from down under, Mr. Luke Larson, the punter, joining us on the podcast. Uh, we're we're going get to get to that here in just a minute. But first, let me tell you a little bit about a little bit about Can I Brands, Artie. With 250 milligrams of broad-spectrum hemp extract, CBD, CBG, and CBDV, mouthful, <laughs> Can I Boost CBD Energy Boost Oral Spray is compact and easy to carry in your pocket or bag to help you dose on the go. Its low-dose option and precise spray technology allow you to microdose your CBD intake and easily adjust the dose as needed. Artie, what's the promo code? Boneyard25, baby. Yes. Use the promo code Boneyard25 for 25% off your entire order at canibrands.com. Once again, Artie, Boneyard25. Boneyard25 Boneyard for 25% off your entire order at canibrands.com. Artie, let's go ahead and send it over to our interview with long snapper Alex Harper and the Aussie punter Luke Larson. All right, how, how's that sound? Let's do it. This week on the Boneyard Podcast, we've already already we've already talked about feeling special mm-hmm. about this season that we're going into. Why not talk to some ECU specialists? These guys are, I mean, these guys are some interesting dudes. Um, we, we've had Worth Gregory on the podcast before. He was an interesting dude. They, they've all kind of got this. Uh, aura around them um it i always like to see how they how they perform and how they practice how they get ready for games and during um warm-ups and whatnot so we have none other than long snapper alex harper and the aussie punter luke larson g'day guys welcome to the boneyard podcast cheers mate thanks for having us thank you guys absolutely our pleasure first question luke uh what, what's your opinion on fosters Oh, like, I would not have it. I would <laughs> drink like lighter fluid. Like that's fucking. It's <laughs> an important question to ask. I mean, you got got to get the got to get the hard questions out first, right? Absolutely. So, I, I mentioned this to Alex uh, the other day when when we were talking about setting this thing up. Uh, I, I've always been interested in in the relationship. You see all the time the relationship between the offensive line and and the quarterback, right? But the relationship between a long snapper and a punter is one of the most interesting relationships, in my opinion, in all of football. And it's one that doesn't really get talked about. Uh, Can y'all talk about your relationship and and how it is to work with each other each and every day? Mate, you go first. All right. Well, I actually uh, I think that the bond between like long snappers and punters and actually just specialists altogether, I think it actually might be a little deeper than than uh, offensive linemen and quarterbacks because, you know, O-line and quarterbacks, they still like play different positions and they go to different meeting rooms. Specialists, we are quite literally right at the hip 24-7 in meetings uh, on the practice field all the time. So, whether you want to or not, you get pretty close and pretty acclimated with the guys around you. So it's, it's a pretty special thing to have. Yeah. So exactly that. It's it's more 
quarterbacks and and their line and that they they get a chance to get away from each other, whereas we're just stuck. You know, there's a pool table around and everyone's in position meetings. We're playing pool together, so you've got no chance to get away. Yeah. Now you know, Alex and Luke. You know, specialists they don't they don't get as much love as they probably deserve. Um, how is the day to day you know practice game day routine? How is that like for you guys? And what is life like? You know, because you are D one athletes, you are D one football players, but people don't really commit. I guess maybe gravitate towards you the way they may gravitate towards a Holt Nailers or a Keith Mitchell. What is that day to day life like? Uh, I'll put it this way: I think we get too much love. What we do is we really just hang out with buddies and the ball like. We get way too much for love for what we're doing. We just got to make sure we don't mess up our job. Nice, I love it. That's what I love to hear. Now, uh, I wanted to talk. I mean, Luke, you come you come here from Australia. What's the transition been like from Aussie style football to to American style football? Well, firstly, it's, it's like you said when you started your podcast. You got one out, and then COVID hit, and that's the same as me. I had a month and a half, and then COVID hit. So. There was no real like, it was not a smooth transition. It was it was a lot of you know kind of stay at home, don't see anyone, don't do anything, don't you know you can't see your family, and then it's all of a sudden, hey look, we've got to get ready for this season that's coming up in a couple of weeks. So there was no real transition there, and it's and, you know, two years later, I'm I'm about to start having a regular punt. So um, it's been a long transition, but from sport to sport. Um, you know, kicking the ball, it's, that's that's what we did. We passed it like Holton will throw it. So um, I, I enjoy being able to do the, you know, the, the rollout type rugby style that you guys call it. Uh, so then that way I can try and minimise the guy down the other end returning it. Now, a question for both of you guys. You know, how, how good do you guys think the special teams unit can be this season? And do you guys believe you're the most underrated, you know, specialty unit maybe in the conference? I'll definitely say we've got a real deep room. Like we got two kickers that could easily start at any program, you know, across the country. Um, we got we got a couple of punters. So you know, outside of myself, David does everything he humanly can possible to be ready for his turn. And you got Andrew, who's just an absolute uh, animal. Like he's an athlete. You throw a ball at a kid with a blindfold on, and somehow he'll catch it and kick it. So it's one of those things. And you got two long snappers that. You don't know who you're going to interchange with to play. So it's a really deep room, you know, across the three positions. And it's just something that public might not know because obviously they're not, you know, in the inner workings every day. But, mm-hmm. and all they see is an Owen Daffer or myself or whoever's playing at Long Snap, but they don't get to see the other guys working. So it's one of those things that I think we've got a really deep room and definitely underrated. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Owen Daffer. He seems like a kid that, just has so much swagger for, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Like he seems maybe swagger is not the right word, but yeah. he seems like he's got this, like he's got his own personality and it seems like all of you specialists do, but um, it seems like he just kind of rolls to the beat of his own drum. Uh, I'll answer this one. Cause I've known him for a little bit longer than Alex, but you've, you've nailed it on the head there. They own beat of his own drum. Like he's just doing what he's doing, and you know the best part of that is, is you know he wants to do his job and he's nailing it. So he is. I wouldn't call it swagger. I think he tries to find from each different person where what what is going on, what what is good. Um, but when it comes to doing his job and living his life, he is he's he's doing his own thing and he's nailing it. So good on him. Nice. Now, Alex, 
I have a question for you, and th- this is something that yeah. um, I, I've wondered. Uh, I mean, most people, when they get into football, you, you don't think of somebody getting into football to be a long snapper. How, mm-hmm. how did how did that come about? Like becoming a long snapper. Like what what has been your trajectory yeah, uh, so far? So uh, ever since I was young, I'm sure me and a lot of other kids would watch college football, watch guys on Sundays play. And be like, you know, like, I hope that's me someday. Like, I really want to play football at the next level. But then eventually, like, reality hits you and you realize you're not athletic enough to, to run the ball or play in the secondary. And you're kind of too small and not strong enough to be on the offensive or defensive line. So it's like, didn't really have many other options. And I thought, you know, when high school was over, I would hang the cleats up and go get a job. Um, but my uh, coach in middle school um, told me about like these long snapping camps because he had uh, one of his former players did it. And he was like, you know, just give it a shot, whatever. And I, I honestly, I didn't even like really want to, I didn't like had any, I didn't have any interest in playing the position, but I knew I was like, I know I want to play at the next level and hopefully it can, help me get there. So I'm just going to go 10 toes down on it and try to be as good at it as I can be. And luckily it's worked out for me because it got me here. Yeah. absolutely Amazing. Now, Luke, I got to ask you this, Um, you know, being from Australia, born in 1992, you just celebrated your 30th birthday in July. What is it like being not just an elder statesman, but like, I mean, you're like the granddad of, of, of the locker room. What is it like being around all these young guys, pretty much these kids and and you know you're 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 30 years old. Uh, I'll put it this way: when I was 21, I got a job and I was a, a transport coordinator for a, a company that uh, worked both in Australia and internationally. We manufactured cool room panels and um, uh, insulation panels and things like that. So I was a 21 year old dude, and I was I was in charge of you know 85, 90 truck drivers that were between the age of 30 and 65. So. Nice. It's one of those things that I, I know that they would have been sitting there going, look at this kid, like he's got no idea what he's doing. Um, you know, we were doing that 40 years ago. Um, so to to have that experience prior to then come here and be the older dude sitting there and looking at some of these kids going, oh, my God, I did that 10 years ago. <laughs> um, it, it's helped me more with uh, understanding why things happen and how they happen. And, you know, it's just it makes me more appreciative to be here. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I love to hear. Now, Look, I know you. I know you've got like a you got a full sleeve, right? Like, yeah, you got a little bit going on there. <laughs> Alex, you got you got any ink? I do. I have a couple pieces on my arm. Oh, that that's yeah. nice. I, I want to know. So, between both of you, I mean, Luke, what what's your favorite piece? Alex, you can you can talk about your favorite piece as well. Uh, I think. If you go down to meaning, I, I, on my ribs, I've got my grandmother's name with some rosary beads because uh, she's she's Catholic. So that was my first tattoo. It, it means the most to me. Um, but I think my favorite's definitely on my leg. I've got a, a portrait of Medusa, and I, I think the guy that uh, put that on my leg uh, nailed it. So I'm pretty happy with that. Nice. Uh, that's embarrassing to follow. Uh, when, <laughs> when I was a kid. Uh, for some reason, I just really loved all of the Godzilla movies. I had, I don't know why. I just, I had like the box sets. I collected the action figures when I was a kid. So I have a Godzilla sleeve on my forearm. 
Nice. I think it's pretty cool, but no, but everyone always asks me like, why, why in the world would I get that tattooed on me? <laughs> no, I think that's pretty badass. Honestly, that's that's honestly really cool. Thanks. And I I asked the question as the guy that ha- like on, that's in this podcast as the guy that has no tattoos. Yeah, I, okay. I it is something that like it always interests me. So, um, I, I wanted to ask. We we ask all the guys this. We've asked uh, D linemen this. We've asked cornerbacks this. We've asked wide receivers this. We've asked a quarterback this. Who in the specialist room has the most field swagger? Ooh. And we've already we've already ruled out Owen Daffer, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, I th- I think he'd want to put himself in that in that uh, category. The, I think the I think he, he well he pulls it off. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's it's not who everyone else thinks looks the coolest, but uh, one of, Owen has this look that makes him look. You know, the coolest, in my opinion. So, outside of that, I really don't know what I'm doing. I, one day I'll have a sleeve on, <laughs> the next day I'll be like, these socks are too long. I've got no idea what's happening. I just want the football. Now, you know, to, to kind of add on to that, are there any superstitions or any, like, pregame rituals that you guys have to do before each and every game? Like, I, I like you have to do this in order for you to have a good game. Is like, is there anything like that going on? And, Alex, you can say you watch Godzilla before every game. <laughs> no, I don't do that. I don't really have the time to do that for a game. I don't think I have any like pregame rituals. I really don't think I do. Mine's just more if I kick like five bad balls pregame, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna have a good day. If I kick the bad balls early, like I can't kick anymore. So that's it. <laughs> I mean, it's I don't know if either of you play golf. It's like if you go to the driving range before before mm-hmm. a round of golf and. You're striping the ball, and then you're like, "All right, I'm gonna have a terrible day out here." Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then you're like, "Gosh, why am I even out here? It's 100 degrees." Artie, right, do you have any other questions? That's all I have for the fellas. Well, we have one more question, guys. The hardest question we're gonna ask the whole time. The absolute hardest. Yeah. I hope you're ready. All right. Hit me. Go ahead. Y'all been, y'all been to a place called. Sup dogs, right? Like I'm wearing the shirt. Y'all been to that place, right? Yep. All right. So I like I like the cheesy bacon delight, double the dog, bacon cheese fries, extra sup sauce, extra ranch. Give me an orange sup crush. What are y'all's orders? Well, I'll probably not say this about 12 key lime sup crushes. Um, no, definitely <laughs> <laughs> key lime sup crush, and I uh, I go the Hawaiian dog and I double that. Oh, nice. nice. I like that. So I big fan of the cherry limeade sub crush. I do get that almost every time I go. But I kind of switch up like the dog that I get every single time because I don't like getting the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, they got a lot of great options, so I can't really pick. For I do now. think every time I order this though, people like seem to judge me, but I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the cool down dog. I think okay, yeah. Like it's got like sour cream on it, which sounds disgusting, but it's actually pretty good. I think you should give it a chance. For sure. Now let me ask you, Alex, are, are you a are you a fries or are you a tots guy? It's an important question. Fries. 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 Okay. Luke. They call chips, mate. We uh we <laughs> we don't call them fries, we call them chips. So <laughs> I'll I'll let you on a story if we've got time. My first night here in in this country. Uh, one of the GAs was taking me to the hotel room because it was my official visit or whatever it was. And he said, all right, we'll get you some food. 
Um, the only place that was open was Chipotle. And we get in there and we're ordering whatever it is. And he goes, oh, do you want some chips? And I'm like, oh, I'd love some chips. Like, I'll take them. <laughs> and they're like, Chip, like, chips and salsa. And I was like, what's this? Where's my hot chips? So and I was disappointed when I got back to the hotel. <laughs> yeah. I learned very quickly that, you know, chips are fries. Well, fries are chips. Fries are chips. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, guys, uh, is there anything else you want to say to Pirate Nation before we uh, kick off the season? uh in, in 11 days i uh, just just we're extremely thankful for the support that we both we receive like if if we're walking down the street if we're in the supermarket even just you know you go online and there's people that are just always talking us up there they're, they're very supportive and it's it's as though that we we're bringing something to them and we're not even aware of it we're just happy to do our job and it really does uh help us stay humble to, to know that we're doing more than just our little bit for us playing football. And, you know, we're very grateful for everyone out there that's uh, supporting us and cheering us on. Awesome. Well, guys, we really appreciate you two taking time out of your day, out of your busy schedules to come on the podcast. You're now officially two friends of the podcast, even though you already were. Um, we'll, we'll look forward to having you on, and we'll, we'll see you at some, at some games this year. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Go Pirates. Go Pirates. Once again, long snapper Alex Harper, punter Luke Larson. I mean, two great guys. Alex has been hitting us up and talking about coming on the podcast. At one point, he said we need to do a specialist podcast, and uh, I, I agreed with him. These are guys that don't get much love. Yeah. I mean, these are the guys that are rarely talked about, but it's it's interesting to get a chance to talk to them. And I, I think that the dynamic between a long snapper and his punter and vice versa is one of the most interesting dynamics in all of football. These are the guys you see at halftime coming out before everybody, getting their, getting their reps in, getting warmed up, getting the legs loose. And uh, punting balls, what seems like into orbit mm -hmm. um, at, at times. I mean, seeing some of the ways that they do it. And then the Aussie style punting is, is very interesting to me. So glad we could have them on. Your thoughts? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, these are the uh, back in high school, we used to call them the, uh, the, the soccer guys, right? You know, the, the soccer players, you go on the team, they kick around a little bit, they get all the cute girls' phone numbers. That's what the, uh, that's what the special teams guys are. But it's, it's, it's an important role on the team, obviously, you know. If, if a long snapper would have missed his punt or misses uh, his snap and it fumbles, then, you know, either you give the opposite, you know, the opposing team the ball in great field position or they scoop and score. A lot of people don't realize that. Like a long snapper's job is a very important job. A punter's job is an extremely important job. When you can get the ball inside the 20-yard line and you're forcing that team to have to drive 80-plus yards down the field. It's an extremely important thing to do. And obviously, Owen Dafford, a kicker, I've said it. You said it. That man's going to win his ball games this year. I really believe it. I think the games are going to come down to the to the end. May very he, well do it in in twelve days. Yeah, and he's going to come out there and he's going to win us a ball game. So don't ever, ever, ever sleep on special teams. They are extremely important to what we are trying to do as a football team. For sure. Now, already I, I did see a, a tweet. I think it was yesterday because um, they they did a Luke Larson mic'd up segment on ECU football uh, on their social media accounts. And um, 
I saw somebody tweet, and I, I thought this was an interesting take. Somebody said, because Luke Larson, number 12. Mm-hmm. Holden Aylers, number 12. I mean, could you imagine sending Holden out there in punt formation to, to run a special uh, a trick play? I'd love that. That'd be, I mean, this team could be full of trick plays this year. With, with we, it's, it's not like we haven't pulled them before. You know, with the with the Tyler Sneed trick plays and, and some of the other trick plays that we've done in the past, it's not like we haven't done it before. So I definitely think, you know, Coach Houston got something in Arsenal. He's going he to pull something out a couple of times this season. For sure. Well, uh, Artie, you mentioned the guy that I wanted to talk about next, friend of the podcast, Tyler Sneed. Won oh, the yeah. game for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, just the other night. He had a he had a late game touchdown reception from Mason Rudolph to to beat the Jaguars sixteen to fifteen in their uh, week two preseason game. Uh, already gotta love seeing seeing the kid get a get a touchdown. Phenom- I mean these these are the things that you got to do when you're trying to make a roster spot in the NFL. Like you have to you have to make yourself known. And the only way you can do that is going out and producing and going out and scoring touchdowns and going out and making spectacular catches and spectacular plays. So, you know, to Tyler Sneed's credit, you know, even though that, you know, he, he was not drafted, he still didn't let that get to him. He was still able to make a roster. He was still able to get to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And hopefully this is the beginning of something special in Pittsburgh. Him actually, some you know, submitting himself as someone who can be a substantial uh, you know, someone, someone that can contribute to that, to that roster. Cause they got Claypool. They've got, in my opinion, the steal of the draft and George Pickens. I think George Pickens could very well be the best rookie receiver in the league. I honestly, I think he is going to be the best rookie receiver in the league this year. Um, they still got a, a couple other guys that are really good. So it's a crowded wide receiver room, but Tyler Sneed, excuse me, Tyler Sneed making plays like that is is only going to boost his capital and only going to boost his chance of getting a roster spot. And even if he does not retain a roster spot, everybody around the league saw that. And everybody around the league knows, okay, this this little short kid out of ECU can play a little bit. Let's let's see what he got. So absolutely love it for Tyler Sneed. For sure. In that game also, Zay Jones had one reception for 12 yards in that preseason game. Got to think he's going to be one of the top receivers for, for Jacksonville uh, this season. So – Go ahead, Artie. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, this is Zay's opportunity to really, 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 really kind of make a name for himself. It didn't work out in Buffalo, Oakland to Las Vegas. He started to kind of make a name for himself a little bit, had a walk-off game when a touchdown last season, um, built a little bit of a relationship and a rapport with Derek Carr. I was hoping he'd stay there, but I, I get all the moves they made. They brought in Devontae Adams. Um, they still got Darren Waller, so he was probably going to get lost in that mix. Hunter Renfro. Right. They still got uh, Renfro. So hopefully he goes to Jacksonville and he can really be, you know, a, a key contributor to what they're trying to do on offense. He, he can be the number one or two guy. He, yeah, he really can. He really can. And with Trevor Lawrence throwing the rock, I mean, you, you got to like that. Jacksonville is not going to be a good team this year, but I, I think in the next two years, you're going to see them really start to make a, make a move. Right. And I, I think that Zay is going to be a big part of that. I, I really do. Um, but yeah, that that's really all I got, Artie. Do you have do you have a walk the plank? I saw yours, and honestly, I think that's perfect because I saw the video. Because I, I I know I know where you're going with this. I don't yeah. I don't have one that's better than that. Yeah, I mean, I'm torn. I my my walk the plank is is Marcelo Zuna. Ah, 
Um, I'm torn on it. Yeah, he they they he was arrested for a DUI. This comes 15 months after uh, a domestic assault charge on his wife. Um, this is Braves outfielder DH Marcelo Zuna. Um, now the thing that I want to make clear, he, he technically blew under the legal limit. Mm-hmm. If you watch the video, the whole video, it looks like he should have passed the field sobriety test, but they said he was doing like 80 and a 35 or 80 and a 40 mile per hour zone, which you can't do. Obviously um, this, this was at 4am really like 335 <laughs> on, on a night before a game. Like, I mean, when you've already been struggling and the Braves gave you another shot after royally messing up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the Braves are on the hook for like another 68 million over the next two or three years for this guy. Like he's owed another like 68 million and they can't like, that's guaranteed money. Like if they cut him, guess what? you got to pay him. Mm-hmm. And so I wish I, – I don't think the charges will hold up in court against Marcel. Just just saying, like, it seemed like he passed the field sobriety test. Mm-hmm. He ended up – his blood alcohol level ended up being below the legal limit. The only thing that I have is he, he was like, I'm Marcel from – I'm Ozuna from the Braves. I mean, I mean, he pulled he pulled a Tony Larusa. Do you know that's, who I am? Th- that's that's exactly what I was going to say. My 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 real only gripe with it is that instead of just owning up to the mistake that he made, because he did make a mistake, no matter whether he passed the sobriety test or not. I mean, he was going eighty and a forty, like sober or drunk. You just can't do that. So and, and no people know your rights. Like I'm not look. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to give you legal counsel, but you do have the right to refuse. A breathalyzer, mm-hmm. and he made that choice to to refuse. Now, when you do that, they will take you downtown, but it may buy you some time. And if, if I'm being honest, though, yes, he he is Ozuna, and and he's a he's a famous baseball player. But if I was just to see him, like I'm a cop, just pulling him over on the street. Unless I'm like into baseball, I'm not. I don't know. No, I, mean, I don't know who you are. He, no, I don't know who you are. I, I play for the Braves. Okay, who he, gives he, shit? I don't know. Who he you plays are. for the Braves. He got pulled over in Gwinnett County. I mean that that's that's they, Braves country. It's Braves country, and they probably knew who he was. They, but they knew. Who I he wouldn't was. be shocked if they were like, "Bro, I don't watch baseball like that." Like, no, I don't know who you are. But that's on the car. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that. All in all, like it was, it's just a shitty situation. But here, here you are. Um, my only gripe, like I said, like I said, was he pulled the "Do you know who I am?" Basically, right. Yeah. Um, I thought Ben Ingram, the the radio play by play guy for the Braves, uh, when when Marcelo Zuna played uh, the, a couple nights later, uh, when he came up to bat, Ben Ingram, the like I said, the radio guy for the Braves said, and here is. Marcelo Zuna from the Braves. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was like, that's good. Like, that's fan- that that is some fantastic shade. That's some all time shade and, right there. And even I mean, Ozuna got booed by Braves fans. He deserves it, and he deserves just, it. Just own up to your mistake, man. 
we're men and men and women make mistakes own up to it and get better i want him if he does have a problem i want him to go get the help that he needs exactly up to that mistake exactly well Artie, anything else before we start wrapping it up that's all i got all right well Artie, we are like 25 followers away from 2,000 followers on twitter i mean there's there's a reason we're the premier podcast of pirate nation you people follow us. Maybe once we get to 2,000. If we get to 2,000, by the time we get to September 3rd kickoff against NC State, the puppies, I'm sure I'm sure Artie and I could come together for, for a little giveaway. Oh, 100%. I'm thinking maybe $50 gift card to, to our friends at Sup Dogs. Something like that. And um we'll, we'll put something out on social media um we, we already put out one tweet uh trying to get to 2000 if you could help us get to 2000 go find that tweet retweet it tag your friends uh we want to share our love for pirate nation and pirate football with more and more people look we don't i mean yeah we we have a sponsor we we don't make much money off this we really the money that we make goes back into our equipment and to our, to our streaming platforms and things like that. So please um, do that. It it helps us uh, reach more people and and grow the love around pirate nation for this great institution that we all love. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all bleed purple and gold y'all. So uh, yeah, if you're not already, I don't know why you aren't, but go follow us, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Boneyard Pod or at Boneyard Podcast um, on on all three. So, yeah, check us out um, there. And we, we hope you enjoy. Leave us a five-star review. If you if you really like the show, if you really like what we're doing, leave us a five-star review. I know uh, some other fan bases that we've – I say we, really me, um, probably upset, <laughs> have probably infiltrated our, our reviews. So, um, which, I mean – most most of the reviews are, are still pretty good. I, I, we've, I we've, we've gotten some bad reviews. I, I haven't seen them lately. No, 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 nobody actually writes anything, but they'll, I mean, I've done it to a podcast before like that I didn't just, like it. Just give him one out of five and he's got Yeah, so you, you just go search on hit one out of five. You don't have to listen <laughs> yeah, to these, it. These guys are to do that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> go on there. Give us five <laughs> stars. You'll definitely be a friend of the podcast. If you send us a screenshot uh, of you – giving us a five-star review. Um, I'll give you a shout out on the next podcast. All right. Hey, and, and just to all of our current followers, thank you guys so much. Thank you for the listens. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to, to hear these two crazy dudes just rattle on about ECU sports. Speak for yourself. Uh, week in and week out. <laughs> we really do appreciate it. Honestly, the, the love and support, the fact that, you know, 2000 people almost um, are, are, are really buying into what we, have to offer is just incredible. When we started this, you know, we 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 kind of had dreams and fantasies about getting to numbers like this and and beyond. Um, but now it's starting to come to fruition. So to everybody that follows us, follows us, to everybody that listens, everybody that subscribes, uh, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I know I'm speaking for Jared too. Uh, thank you guys, honestly. Yeah, I mean, already we we started this thing and it wasn't for like the numbers or whatever, but we started this thing and we I mean, there's been times 
where we were ranked like the number a top five sports news podcast in the country. So when we say we're we're proud to be the premier podcast, it's because we really in our heart feel that we are, and we we want to keep bringing that great content that you enjoy. These interviews with with athletes, with players. I mean, look, we've had players ask us like, "Oh, do you pay for this for this interview?" We tell them, "Look, we don't we don't make any money. We can't we can't afford to pay." Yeah. Um, we do it out. We do it because we want to get you, the athlete, in front of in front of your fans. We want you to build your brand. Yeah. We want to build your brand. So that's why we do this. So yeah, Artie, thanks for doing it with me another time. Next week, next week, Artie, week one preview. Yes, sir. Um, Also, a quick plug: I will be on. The Tuffy Talk podcast uh, later this week. Uh, then we're we're gonna do something with the Red and White podcast, another NC State podcast in the coming days. So be on the lookout for that. Go go show them some love. Hey, as much as I hate to admit it, uh, I am excited to talk talk ball with with some uh, some foes of ours. Um, so go check them out. We'll be on Tuffy Talk later on this week, like I said, and then and then uh, the Red and White podcast. Some, probably sometime next week. Yes, sir. Full game breakdown. Full analysis. I can't wait. All right, Artie. Well, that's all I got. Power Nation, as always, wash your hands, wash your butt, people. Deuce. Peace.